0: Shabbat Shalom. I'm going to do a new thing today and stand over here uh, because today's sermon is more of an opportunity for me to let my musical inner nerd out a little bit. And I'm really excited to share with you both about the learning that prompted this soulful experiment we've been on today and about the process of choosing the pieces for today. So, I lured you here with the premise that we have these ideas of sacred music and secular music, and we think of them as two totally separate genres. But I would like to make the case today that there's no such thing as secular music. So, I'm going to start with a little bit of Jewish musical history. So let's go back all the way in time. Um, there are some who say that Jewish music was given to us at Mount Sinai with the giving of the Torah, that there are melodies that have been handed down generation to generation. And that explains how it is that there are certain melodies like kol nidre, which are extremely similar across world Jewry in ways that don't make any historical sense. When you look at the evolution of those different peoples, the only logical explanation is that we had a divine inspiration. We all received the same tradition, and it's been passed down through generations with minor tweaks here and there. But it stays till today. Now, early on in our temple practice there was a vibrant musical tradition. The Levites were brilliant instrumentalists. There were 12 instruments, 12 voices. They had all of these brilliant songs, brilliant music. And the music of the temple actually evolved and inspired what became Christian Gregorian chant much later. When the temple was destroyed, our ancestors suddenly felt that it wasn't just the temple they had lost, but also the ability to be musical. We stopped playing instruments on Shabbos. We stopped getting in that zone because it felt like there was something so broken we couldn't connect. And over the generation, something very interesting happened. Jewish musicians sort of tamped down our musical practice, and we gave our musical gifts uh, to the Christians and to other world traditions. Um, I want to just be clear, I'm talking specifically about Western music here. Gregorian chant, of on which all of classical music is based, and you could say Western music is based, evolved out of Jewish sacred song taken from the temple. So Jews are... A wandering people after the temple is destroyed, they go from land to land. They're never quite in power, certainly not in the center of the communities of which they are a part or adjacent, you might say. And music has this painful resonance of both continuity with what happened in the temple, but also of disconnection with the vibrancy that was and this feeling that we can never recreate what has been. Musicologists and analytical liturgists will say that Jewish music kind of fizzled in a way through the generations. It was maintained and um, my Rebbe would use an example often of of traditions that that are maintained in this way. Um, Like you've got uh, an MRE, a frozen, meal that's got all the nutrients but none of the freshness of preparation. And that happened all the way up until the 17th, 18th centuries. At that point in Jewish history, Jews were welcomed for the first time back into European civilization. And for the first time, Jewish musicians weren't just the center of the synagogue, but they were classical musicians that were a part of major choirs and symphonies, and Jews were invited to participate fully in the musical reality of that time. And we've done all sorts of incredible uh, musical productions and songs here of Lewandowski and Solzer, who, who did this bridging work between the classical tradition that evolved from Gregorian chant and Jewish music, that continued all the way from the temple. I hope I haven't bored you yet. We're gonna fast forward a long way because Jewish music becomes so exciting. Jewish music is really the central observant uh, piece, the central way that Jews were observing all the way from the temple. Um, In the early 18th, 19th, 20th centuries, cantors were actually the biggest deal. So much so that when Jews first came to this country, Uh, It was cantors that were recognized by the United States government far before they recognized rabbis and Towns that would set themselves up would often hire a cantor and a sholkhet a butcher before they even thought about rabbis because everything was around the music and Cantors were rock stars. They would travel all over the country all over the world Dazzling people with their amazing singing. I mean think about Josela Rosenblatt, Jan Pierce. I mean, kusovitsky you've heard incredible singing, and it was all about virtuosic uh, renditions of prayer, very much in the classical style that had been developed between all these people. So I hope you're with me. I hope you see that there is a strand of inspiration that comes all the way from our temple practice, all the way down through the generations, so much so that um, a recent... A uh, Jewish rock and roll musician named Yossi Piamanta. He was an Israeli guy. He was a rock guitarist, and he was um, just an incredible virtuosic player. He didn't want to have his religious life and his musical life separate. And famously, he went to his rabbi and asked for permission to set Jewish prayers to rock and roll. And he wanted to know, you know, I feel inclined to do this. It feels like this is the music of my heart. Is it kosher? And his rabbi said, not only is it kosher, it's a mitzvah. Because when you set Jewish music to what people are actually listening to, they're going to want to hear it. They're going to want to sing it. And they're going to learn those words. One of the superpowers of Jewish music is the way in which it invites us to open up the doors of our soul, the doors of our hearts. And it goes far beyond language. I'd like to believe that for our ancestors, when they were journeying throughout Europe, when they heard sacred song, when they heard a Mycenae melody, it would open up gates inside of themselves and they would reconnect, not just to the text of that prayer, but to all of their memories of singing that prayer with family and extended family. But for many of us today, we didn't grow up opening those doors, hearing those melodies, And so they don't always have the same effects on our heart. But that's where music comes in and has the potential to do more for us. Because we are in the practice, each one of us is in the practice of listening to music, of rocking out to music. We have that song that you remember singing on the school bus and the song you danced to that first time you connected eyes with your special someone. They're the songs that we sing to our children. The songs we sing for special occasions. And each one of those songs open up pathways in our hearts. That's way beyond our own cognition. I, I want to share this, I think, is just a really important piece We've all seen video footage, and I experienced this when I was working as a chaplain at Mass General. When you are with someone who has advanced dementia or Alzheimer's, they're often not able to put words together, sentences together. They may not be able to ask for a glass of water, but if you sing a song that is core to who they are, they can often sing along with every single word, music, gets beyond our logical thought, and opens up pathways that we never imagined were possible. So that was the inspiration for our Shabbat Shira today. I wanted to know what would happen when we took popular secular hits that I hope you knew and combined them with our prayers, not just haphazardly, but intentionally, so, I want to take you now through some of the thinking behind a few of the different selections. Uh, I'm going to start with knocking on heaven's door, which we did at the beginning, uh, to uh, El Adon. El Adon is a prayer that's all about praising God. Um, there's a, a chance the rapper has a great song, When the Praises Go Up. The blessings come down when the praises go up. The blessings come down. And I was thinking about that rap when I was looking at El Adon. What's the function of sending up all these praises to God? I really think that the function is knocking on heaven's door, asking, Hello, God, we see you. We appreciate you. We're knocking. Come be with us. We did today Ahava Rabbah, to Midler's The Rose. Ahava Rabbah forms the part of the service I like to think about as the love sandwich. You've got Ahava Rabbah, which speaks about God's love for us. The meat or vegetarian tofurki is your Shema. And then you've got the Vyahaftah, which is all about our love for God. And it's not just the theme of love, though that is true for Ahava and Bette Midler's The Rose, but Bette Midler's piece speaks about how painful love can be, about how sometimes we go through this world and we just feel like we are broken down and it's never going to happen for us. We're never going to find true love, but we have to remember As she says, remember in the winter, far beneath the bitter snows lies the seed that with the sun's light in the spring becomes the rose. We have to remember even and especially when we are beaten down that there is love and that God loves us. We've kind of ceded this to our Christian brothers and sisters who celebrate God loves us. But God loves us. And when we focus on that love, it opens up Potential pathways to love on this earth and with the people around us. Allow me to go a little bit more nerdy than I've already been going. Um, I want to talk about sounds of silence to Kaddish. Uh, Paul Simon wrote the sounds of silence when he was 21. And at 21, he used to like to go into the bathroom and close the door and turn on the faucet, and sit in the dark jamming. He liked the bathroom because the tiles were um, acoustically pleasant. They would get a nice reverb going in the bathroom. And he liked the water sound because he felt like it was soothing to him. And he sat down and wrote this song. And it was initially not a hit. Um, he and Art played it, and it, it drove kind of a wedge between the two of them. Two of them split up, and it wasn't until later they started jamming again, they introduced new instruments, they were able to come back together. And it's such an interesting trajectory of their own partnership along with this song, because in their eyes, this song is also about the ways in which we don't see eye to eye, where I'm sharing my story and other people don't get it where we're, we're all in our separate lanes and we need something to draw us together. Kaddish is the glue that holds our service together. Kaddish is the prayer that allows us to bridge between every piece of the service, and Kaddish is also the prayer that reaches us when we are feeling most alone, most isolated. After a loss, Kaddish is the prayer that reminds us that other people have been where we've been, that God sees our pain, and that we are able to move out of this together. Now, there's another level um, in which the sound of silence felt like an appropriate pairing for Kaddish. When we sing Kaddish during our weekday prayers, I'm going to sing that one more time. Ya da ta da 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 This is the motif that we use in weekday minor to sing the kaddish Now we'll do the sound of silence da 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 It's an inversion da 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 or So there's a lot of musical play even within that. Now, Sound of Silence was not written to be a Kaddish, but it holds the potential to press those buttons in our hearts and remind us of our own tradition. I would love to go through every single song. It was so much fun preparing for today and thinking about things like Baruch She'amar, the prayer in which... We celebrate God's ability to speak and create through God's words that we, and as humans created in God's image, have the ability to create our ideal world by speaking. If we can only speak right, imagine. So many different connections. But I will leave you with this and just invite you to check in with your heart and notice the effect of these songs on your heart. Notice what happens for you. And maybe we can all do that work when we're listening to the radio in the car, when we're jamming as we're getting ready for work or getting ready for school or doing our chores, to remember that there is no distinction, there's no separation. Every moment in which we open our hearts to song is a moment in which we open our hearts to God.